Hello there, I'm Benny. And I'm Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who, and I tell you about it. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Benny. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm just, you know, sitting in my apartment, windows open, Um, the air is nice. Um, Yeah, it's actually quite nice right now. Yeah, it's really nice here, too. Actually, we had, like, it was chilly a week or so ago, but the past few days have been pretty nice and warm, which is great because this is a holiday weekend, and, uh, well, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was a holiday weekend. Today is Monday, and I have taken a PTO day today. I think you're actually on holiday, aren't you? Yeah, we got an extra day. Yeah. Yeah, my... My partner works with Benny at the same company, and since they got a day off, I was like, fuck, I'm going to take a day off, too. (laughs) Good thinking. Uh, It was a very good decision, I think. Yesterday, I was not ready to go back to work today. I mean, I feel like I'm still not ready to go back to work tomorrow, but I also (laughs) wasn't ready to go back to work yesterday either, so (laughs) I'm glad I had another day off. Yeah, definitely. we left our heroes they had split the party um we had ian who went and uh searched for pink cho so pink cho had left she was trying to go home um so you know she didn't want to marry her 75 year old fiance uh so ian left the group yeah to, he left the group to find her, and then um, he did, and she had just been ripped off by extra shady dude, um, who is trying to get the TARDIS for the warlord Tagana. Now, Ian and um, Ping Cho kind of beat up the uh, extra shady dude, uh, but now the warlord Tagana is there, and he is not stoked about them um meanwhile uh the doctor and his you know the rest of the party um met kublai khan um the doctor and kublai khan are now bffs because they're both you know advanced in age and have aches and pains <laughs> um so they're all on their way to peking um where they will see uh I guess you were saying the the con one of the cons other palaces. I don't know if it's he probably has lots. So probably one, yeah. one of his other palaces. I think Peking is his main palace, but yeah, I'm sure he has several. I did think it was nice that like you know the doctor is a grumpy crotchety old man, and like now he's finally got a friend who's also <laughs> a grumpy crotchety old man. So this episode starts with. Oh, I should mention, this is Season 1, Episode 20, Assassin at Peking. Yes. Back to the amazing episode titles. And this episode starts with the Ian and Pingcho and Tagana scene. So Tagana has, you know, kind of taken Ian and Pingcho hostage, 
and he and Ian have kind of been like sizing each other up, but they don't immediately start fighting. They actually exchange some heated dialogue at first. Nice. And as they're exchanging some heated dialogue, a soldier guy shows up and the soldier dude has his lower ranking soldier dude disarm Tagana. Hmm. Extra shady dude tries to escape at this point and soldier dude orders lesser soldier dude to stop him. So lesser soldier dude just kills extra shady dude. Oh, well, uh, maybe <laughs> next time make your orders a little more clear. Uh-huh. Unless that's yes. what he's going for, I guess. And the soldier dude is like, You fool, I did not command his death. <laughs> dude, tone it down a notch. <laughs> uh-huh. Lesser soldier dude's like, Dude, like, he's fucking stopped, man. He's, he's not going anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that soldier dude is a captain and he is a courier of Kublai Khan. Tagana accuses Ian and Ping Cho, you know, accuses him to the captain of trying to steal the Khan's property, by which he means the TARDIS. Yeah, that's, that's accurate, I guess. I mean, even yeah. though I'm pretty sure Tagana was also trying to steal the cotton's property, <laughs> which is the TARDIS. That's right, just, uh... so yeah. Even <laughs> Ping Cho, of course, accused Tagana. Okay, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Seems only fair. Uh-huh. The captain, whose name is Ling Tao, is just like, eh, I'll let the con sort it out. You're coming with me to Peking. Nice. We, we were speculating how we were ever going to get the party reunited. <laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> Here we first, go. Probably the first five minutes of the episode. <laughs> That's taken care of. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they even get the benefit of a captain's log. I think they're just going to show up. Even though they have an actual captain. Uh-huh. Yeah, you could, <laughs> like, actually give a log. <laughs> so in Peking... The Kublai Khan and the Doctor and their party have all arrived, and the Doctor is playing backgammon with the Khan, and apparently he's kicking the Khan's ass. (laughs) As we join the scene, the Doctor has just won their most recent game, and the Khan asks him what he owes the Doctor now, and the Doctor lists it all out. Apparently, the Khan owes him 35 elephants with ceremonial bridles, trappings, brocades, and pavilions. Nice. 4,000 white stallions, even though he said earlier that one's enough. (laughs) 25 tigers. The sacred tooth of Buddha, which Marco Polo brought over from India. And all of the commerce from Burma for one year. <laughs> He's like, man, we started off playing, you know, for chips and, or peanuts or something, jelly beans. <laughs> but we've been playing for a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there might actually even be more. We don't know because they're interrupted at that point by the sound of trumpets announcing the arrival of the Empress. And the Khan is like, oh shit, hide the game! But they don't get it hidden in time before the Empress enters the room. 
and she comes in and sees the backgammon board, and she asks the Khan if he's winning. <laughs> and are he's you, just are like, "Are you winning, Khan?" <laughs> he's just like, "One wins, one loses, my dear." <laughs> in this case, I'm one, and I'm uh-huh. losing. <laughs> She says that she hopes that he's not wagering because he knows how that affects his gout. And then she leaves. The Khan comments to the doctor about how he sometimes wishes that his character was more like his grandfather Genghis's. And the Genghis Khan was the real warrior of the family, whereas Kublai Khan just considers himself like the statistician and the planner. He actually asks the doctor if he's heard of Genghis Khan, and the doctor's like, yeah, I haven't met him, but I have heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kublai Khan laments how upset the Empress is going to be when she finds out how much he's lost in these games. And first, the doctor's like, oh, no, 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 like, don't worry about it. You haven't lost at all. And the con is like, no, like, these are for real games. Like, these are real stakes. Oh, did the doctor think he just meant, like, you know, elephants and tigers? <laughs> like, like, I think the doctor was just trying to, like, give him an out. It's like, oh, you know, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but, like, you know, the con wants to make good on his debts. So, you know, which is good for him. So the doctor actually proposes one more game. So, you know, if you have any, like, caravans lying around, (laughs) take one of those off your hands. That's worth a couple elephants at least. Uh Uh-huh. Well, yeah, the doctor proposes one more game, and the terms that he proposes for this game is if the con wins, then he doesn't owe the doctor anything. And if the doctor wins, he gets the TARDIS back. That's it. He's, like, you know, not going to claim his elephants and stallions and, like, all he wants is the TARDIS. The Khan is reluctant to agree to potentially give up Marco Polo's gift without having even seen it yet. Mm-hmm. But he he does agree to the terms. Before the game gets going, Marco Polo comes in to let the Khan know that Tagana has arrived. And, you know, do you want to go talk to Tagana now? But Khan doesn't want to see him now. We've got this game to play. Heck yeah, dude. Come on. So, yeah, he says he'll arrange an audience with, with Tagana as soon as he can. And in the meantime, he tells Marco about the bet that he's made with the doctor. He says... Our friend here made a truly royal gesture, which we have accepted, though it might upset you. Which I thought was kind of funny. Marco does, like, start to object when he hears what the bet is, but, of course, he, like, stops himself. I mean, you know, it's, this the, is, it's, it's the, the cons. Con. Yeah, it's the, plus it's the cons TARDIS. Like, he was bringing yeah. it to the con anyway. The con can wager it if he wants to. Yeah. So, yeah, Marco almost objects, but doesn't actually do so. Marco leaves the room and he goes and tells Barbara and Susan about the impending backgammon game. And Barbara is just like, oh, sweet, this will solve everything. 
you will still have made the gesture of giving this gift to the Khan. So mm-hmm. hopefully he'll let you go home. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like we'll get the TARDIS back and we'll <laughs> get to go too. Everyone gets what they want. Assuming <laughs> that the doctor's good enough at backgammon. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, I think they're they're just making that assumption. But I mean, given the the track record so far, it seems pretty likely. I don't know. Maybe the con's playing the long game, the <laughs> long con, if you will. Yeah, I wasn't even trying to set true. that one up. It just it was just right there, and I had to search for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. What do they say about low-hanging fruit? <laughs> so, you know, Barbara's like, you know, this will be great. Everyone gets what they want. And Susan is like... Yes, all except Ping Cho. Because, you know, it turns out Ping Cho's husband-to-be is already here at the palace in Peking. There's going to be a huge wedding feast tonight with 6,000 guests in attendance. Apparently this 75-year-old dude's like pretty important mm-hmm. and then the wedding actual wedding is going to be tomorrow morning at this point a soldier dude ling tao arrives and he tells marco that ian and ping Cho are being held under suspicion of stealing the khan's property you know the tardis mm-hmm. and susan's like oh well you know Grandfather's just going to win it back anyway, so no problem. And Marco's like, Susan, you don't take your prize until you win the game. Hmm. So, Words yeah. to live by. <laughs> the doctor enters the room at this point, and it turns out the game is over, and he lost. Hmm. <laughs> As a consolation prize, he says the Khan gave him a piece of his paper currency. So, yeah. Uh, Here's five it. bucks, Doc. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe it's just one of these, like, you know, Doctor Who's an educational show moments where it's like, oh, and they had paper currency. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Cathay had paper currency. So we cut to sometime later where Marco Polo has been questioning Ian who's being held under suspicion. And Ian has told him about having heard Tagana say that he serves no guy and that Khan is the enemy. Marco says that it's unfortunate that soldier dude Ling Tao didn't also hear it. But Ping Cho's like, I heard it. Like, we're, you know, we're still two people. But Marco reveals that Ian will have to stand trial alone because Ping Cho's husband-to-be is going to take her out of Peking as soon as the wedding's over. He's, like, requested her to be, you know, to be spared from this, basically, and is just going to take her away. We cut to I guess it's kind of a tough, like, decision. It's like, do you marry this person that you don't want to get married to and get out of jail basically uh-huh. or do you stand trial and i guess that they're not even giving her a choice but yeah like she doesn't even sucks. have the decision yeah like Khan has basically agreed to allow her husband to take her away yeah Eesh. yeah 
So we cut at this point to Tagana and the Khan, who are now like examining the TARDIS, which has arrived at the palace. And the Khan is thanking Tagana for having re- having recovered it from the thieves. <laughs> Tagana's like, oh, think nothing of it. Really, <laughs> think nothing of nothing. it. <laughs> Tagana casually lets it slip that this is not the first time that the doctor or someone in the doctor's party has tried to steal the TARDIS. But apparently Marco Polo hadn't told the Khan about any of the earlier theft attempts by Ian and the doctor. So this is news to the Khan. Mm. Tikana is like, yeah, dude, that's because they're all white. Like Marco's going to cover for them naturally. You know, the Khan like trusts Marco Polo for the most part and, you know, thinks he wouldn't lie to him. But Tagana's like, dude, like white people are fucking racist. It's just in their nature. <laughs> Marco shows up at this point and the Khan is like, dude, what the fuck? Why didn't you tell me about the earlier theft attempts? And Marco says that it would have been unjust because it was their caravan and they didn't know the laws of the land. And, you know, they kind of have this conversation about about that whole bit. And in this conversation, it finally comes out that Marco, you know, Marco finally tells the Khan that he was hoping that the gift of this caravan would convince the Khan to let him return to Venice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Khan reveals... That was his plan. Yeah. Well, the Khan didn't. We all did, but... Mm-hmm. But yeah, Marco finally tells the Khan that this was the plan. And the Khan reveals that this plan has failed. He's mm-hmm. not going to let Marco go. And even further, the Khan has won the TARDIS fair and square from the Doctor in the backgammon game. So he demands that Marco bring him the TARDIS key after the wedding banquet this evening. And then he tells Tagana that they can discuss their terms of the peace settlement with Nogai after the banquet as well. But the Khan tells Tagana that he will have his eye on Tagana. Hmm. And Tagana is like, What have I that the Khan should fear? And the Khan replies, The power of persuasion. I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, Tagana has convinced the Khan that, like, you know, maybe Marco is not quite as upstanding as as the Khan thinks he is. Mm-hmm. He's like convinced, successfully convinced the Khan of that. But the Khan is shrewd enough to realize, like, Tagana's got some pretty, some pretty persuasive arguments. So, like, he's good with his rhetoric. We should keep an eye on him. Yeah, that's that's that is, I I really respect that line of reasoning. Yeah. Yeah, like, he changed my mind, so I'm going to be on the guard for him, like, doing that again. That's cool. Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. 
But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. We cut to later that evening, I guess after the wedding feast, as the Khan, Kublai Khan, is informing Ping Cho of a terrible tragedy that has occurred that evening. He tells her that your beloved husband to be so anxious to be worthy of your love drank a potion of quicksilver and sulfur, the elixir of life and eternal youth, and expired on the spirit. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm pretty sure is the 13th century Chinese way of saying that he took some Viagra and it lasted longer than four hours. <laughs> But, uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad you made that joke because uh, I was <laughs> wondering how to uh, work my way around to that. <laughs> I guess Ping Cho's problem solved now. Husband-to-be is just dead, and like we never even met him or saw him on screen. That does save uh, the, the budget for both the wedding feast and even having to cast the actor. Yeah, totally. I wonder if she still gets to inherit any of his stuff. Uh, that's a good question. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. She does not seem very upset at this news. <laughs> and the Empress calls her an ungrateful wretch and asks her why she doesn't grieve. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm sad on the inside. <laughs> She's basically like, I mean, like, sucks that an old man died. But shit, like, I never even met him. And the Khan offers her the option of returning to Samarkand or staying in Peking in the palace, and she actually decides to stay. Oh, huh. Which, yeah, I thought it was an interesting decision. She was, you know, earlier seemed like she was missing Samarkand and missing home so much. Mm-hmm. But, like, now she's going to stay in the palace. I guess maybe it was that, like, if she married this dude, she might never go back or something. Also, but, it's pretty know, nice there. Yeah, the palace was pretty sweet. Like, I'd probably stay there for a while, too. She hadn't seen it yet when she was saying she missed Samarkand. Now she's like, man, check out these sweet digs. <laughs> so she decides to stay, and after she leaves the room, the Khan tells Marco that he's going to have to re-earn the Khan's trust. He tells Marco to go fetch the TARDIS key, and the doctor, after the Khan's audience with Tagana has concluded. And outside the throne room, Marco acknowledges to Tagana that he underestimated him. And Tagana is like, No. You overestimated yourself. Oh, sick burn, Tagana. Yeah, I thought that was a good burn. Ian and Barbara and Susan and the doctor discuss their situation. At this point, they're basically out of options for getting the TARDIS back. They know that Tagana serves Nogai and wants to help Nogai conquer the world. And as they're discussing this, they finally realize 
that Tagana's plan predates their arrival with the TARDIS. He's just, like, adapted his plan to their presence, but he already had this plan before they showed up. And they further realize that he has been delaying things in order to give Nogai a chance to move his armies closer and closer and closer to Peking. Hmm. Ian wonders why. He's like, Why should Kublai Khan fear Nogai? He has an enormous army, and he's already defeated him once, surely. But the doctor is like, Yes, but what you have to take into account where battles are concerned, dear boy, are its leaders. Kill the leader and where are you? What happens? The whole army dissipates itself into chaos and utter confusion. It's happened throughout your history time and time again. So, basically, the doctor believes that Tagana intends to assassinate Kublai Khan. Well, uh, I would say the episode title uh, corroborates that theory. <laughs> it does indeed. So they, yeah, he was going to assassinate the Khan, get rid of the leader, and, you know, then without the Khan, without Kublai Khan, then no guy can just sweep in. So, of course, they decide that they need to get to the Khan to warn him before Tagana kills him. But in order to do that, they're going to need to get past the guard who's guarding the room that they're currently in. Uh, oh, yeah, right. We're prisoners. Right. Um, that does make it a little harder. So Ian comes up with a quick plan, which he just kind of like pantomimes to the doctor, and then they carry it out. The doctor calls for the guard to enter the room, and as the guard enters the room, the doctor trips him with his walking stick, and then they all just rush out. <laughs> Don't even bother, like, tying up the guard or anything. Uh-huh. Yep, that was it. All you need to do is trip him. So they start running through the palace looking for Marco, or looking for the con, until they run into Marco Polo, and Ian tells Marco that Tagana is going to assassinate the Khan. Marco demands that Ian be taken back to his cell. And at this point, soldier dude Ling Tao shows up and tells Marco that Nogai's armies are now advancing on Peking. Mm. Marco realizes that the Khan is with Tagana right now, so, like, I guess in an instant he believes Ian and rushes off to go to try save the Khan. It's interesting that they've just reached the conclusion that Tagana must be trying to kill uh, Kublai Khan himself. Because um, Tagana so far has been pretty good at outsourcing the, the <laughs> you know, dirty work. Yeah, that's true. But I guess when it comes to killing a, a Khan... Sometimes you just got to do it yourself. Yeah, the most important step of the process, you don't want to leave to somebody else. It might also be hard to get an assassin into picking, and hey, he's already there himself, so... Yeah, that's also true. Although I, I did think it was interesting that, like, they don't really have any actual evidence that Tagana's trying to kill the Khan. It's just like, well... 
this plan would make sense. It, I think it would probably logically follow that this would be what they're trying to do. So that must be it. So in the throne room, Tagana is complaining to the Khan about how hard his terms of peace are. Because remember, they're theoretically negotiating the peace treaty mm-hmm. at this point. And the Khan is like, Tagana, those who rise against us must be humbled. Tagana says that he promised Nogai that he'd put an end to the matter, and he draws his sword. <laughs> uh, that's a pretty good line. <laughs> so it's a bit unclear exactly what happens next, since all I have to go on are the scripts and the loose cannon reconstructions and the telesnaps. But from what I could tell, Tagana attempts to kill the Khan, but ends up killing the vizier instead. Hmm. And then Marco shows up, and he and Tagana start sword fighting. So do they have... Were, were you able to listen to an audiobook version of, of the episode? I did originally, yeah. I should probably go back and listen to its description of the fight uh, yeah. another time. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> what we get from the telesnaps, I have to say John Kura did a pretty good job in this scene. There are some pretty fun action shots of Marco versus Tagana. You know, we get some shots of, like, Marco lunging and some shots of Tagana jumping back, and some shots of the two of them clashing swords. Nice. I will say that similar to some previous fights, you know, there's a certain amount of audio time they have to fill, because, you know, the fight took a certain amount of time originally. Mm -hmm. But there's only a limited number of telesnaps. They just play the same ones over and over again. So, yeah, we did get a few repeat images. (laughs) But they're, they were good images. And, you know, I've mentioned earlier that, like, in these reconstructions, we're not seeing just purely static images. We'll do, like, a pan across a static image or a zoom in or something. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that's probably the right call, you know, doing the best they can with, with what they've got. Yeah, for sure. In the end, Marco disarms Tagana and brings him before the Khan. And the Khan is like, we warned you, Tigana. Those who rise against us will be humbled. You must die. Wow, that's pretty humble. Yeah. Tigana is just like, yeah, okay. And he grabs a guard's sword and uses it to kill himself. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, you know, Marco has the guards remove Tigana's body. And Marco, at this point, hands the TARDIS keys over to the doctor. And he's just like, just go quickly. Like, just go. So Susan and Pincho exchange a quick goodbye. Oh. And our heroes all pile into the TARDIS. And Marco Polo watches as it dematerializes. I guess it was like, now or never. Yeah. But it did seem like kind of a sudden ending. Yeah, it was pretty sudden. I was not even quite sure, like, why Marco was rushing him out so quickly. Probably. Maybe just to, like, not have to give the TARDIS to the con or something. Yeah. 
like you know before everything gets all locked down again and right. people start you know trying to figure out what to do next just uh go go while things are yeah. still up in the air take advantage of this moment of confusion mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. so yeah so marco polo and kublai khan watch the tardis dematerialize before their very eyes After it disappears, Marco apologizes to the Khan for giving it back to them. And the Khan's basically just like, uh, no worries. If you hadn't, the doctor would have just won it in another backgammon game. <laughs> and then they both laugh and then they uh, high five and it freeze frames. <laughs> the Khan comments on how it's true that it's a flying caravan. I thought was an interesting comment to make because they didn't see it fly. They saw it disappear. Eh. I mean, when you're, so, you know, not used to any sort of special effects, maybe that's, yeah, that's, that's fair. enough like flying. <laughs> so he mentions to Marco that, you know, Marco can tell all his buddies back in Venice about this. And Marco replies... No, my lord. They would not believe half the things that I have seen in Cathay. And then turning his thoughts back to the doctor and his companions, he adds, But what is the truth? I wonder where they are now. The past? Or the future? And with this, the theme music starts to play, and the words, Next episode, the sea of death appear on screen. Nice. Yeah, I thought you'd like that one. I mean, like, we've had some good ones, but (laughs) that one's got to be up there. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I don't know. Sci-fi ones. I'm I'm guessing this next one's going to be a sci-fi one, and that one sounds pretty rad. Yeah, yeah, there are multiple reasons I'm looking forward to the next one, and the episode title is only one of those reasons. Nice, nice. So, so it sounds like this was the end of the uh, the Marco Polo serial. It was indeed. Cool. So, Another seven episode serial. Yeah, I think this is like the longest serial yet that we've had. Ah, uh, I think the Daleks was also seven. Oh, okay. If I remember right. Yeah, that one was pretty long too. Of course, that one just seemed to fly by because it was the Daleks, and we all love Daleks. <laughs> uh huh. Um, so, as is our tradition. Uh, I I have a question for you. Um, at, at the end of this serial, would you recommend to our audience that they watch this serial? If you are in a timeline in which you can actually watch this serial, <laughs> then, oh my God, am I jealous of you and your timeline. <laughs> I would absolutely recommend that you watch it. It is a classic serial it was engaging and fun just to listen to the audiobook and watch the reconstructions. And I'm sure 
that the actual episodes themselves would be even better. Also, if you're in another timeline, who's your president and can we join you? (laughs) (laughs) For real. But if you're in the same timeline as the rest of us and the serial remains lost, I would actually still recommend that you give the audiobook or the reconstructions a try. Uh, Like the Daleks serial, I think the story probably could have been tightened up a bit and they probably could have done it in like five episodes instead of seven. Mm-hmm. But it was still good. I liked it a lot. I think if the Daleks is the bar by which we're measuring the rest of the sci-fi serials this season, then I think Marco Polo is a great bar to by which to measure the historicals. I mean, we've had this one, and we've had uh, <laughs> the K people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which was definitely not the bar. <laughs> Or, on the other hand, if the cave people was the bar, then Marco Polo is just, like, mind-blowingly amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I still want to watch the clip again. Um, And I remember you showed it to me when uh, they they do the skull torch trick. Look, (laughs) it's almost alive. Not alive, Susan. It's almost dead. dead. (laughs) What are you talking about? Yeah, nothing quite like that in Marco Polo, I suppose. All right, well, the, the Sea of Death is coming up, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought this one was good. I think, uh, yeah, we had some good characters. We had the Warlord Tagana. Every time I forget his name, I always just think, okay, the Warlord, and then somehow my brain is like, oh, yeah, the Warlord <laughs> Tagana. It just all goes together. Uh-huh. And Pink Cho, and I thought Marco Polo seemed like a pretty interesting character. Um, yeah. Seeing his yeah. interactions with... Our, you know, our heroes as a major historical figure, I thought was pretty cool. I guess he's basically our first, like, actual real historical figure we've had. Yeah, and then, you know, our the Doctor played Batgammon with real actual Kublai Khan, which is pretty cool. Uh-huh. Um, Nearly won, like, half of Asia from him. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been, like, a, a pretty interesting alternate history if somehow they hadn't gotten the TARDIS back and were just, like, stuck there forever and, like, the Khan had to give half of Asia to the Doctor who, like, started his own new country or something. With a ton of elephants. Spinning (laughs) off into a super wild AU here. You you can walk all the way across, like, his, his little stretch of land without ever touching the ground, just only stepping on elephants. <laughs> Elephants and horses. I'm afraid that but only if you've got sufficient headbandry. Yes. Yeah, maybe that's why the, the whole AU falls apart. It's just because you can't get any headband tight enough. <laughs> well, I'm afraid that for our Sucho shippers, this is probably the uh, the end of their ship. It may be yeah. destined to remain a rare pair forever. Yeah, I think, you know, there's definitely some, you know, several, like, captain's log journeys where we're skipping over several days that are not represented in canon, so there's plenty of room for whatever Sucho stories you might <laughs> want to tell. They they can fit into the canon quite easily. Or, you know, you can write an AU where she comes along with them. Oh, yeah. That'd be, I think that, I, yeah, I mentioned that earlier in a previous episode, but I think it'd be great if 
you know, if Pincho actually became like a new companion. Obviously that didn't happen, but, but yeah, that's a, a, an AU that is rife with potential. Yes. If, uh, if you write it, please, please tag us and we will check it out and leave you kudos. Indeed. And probably even mention it on the pod. Oh man. If you like interact with us at all, we'll probably mention it on the pod. We're pretty, pretty desperate <laughs> for fans right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, let's find out about the Sea of Death next time. Sounds good. Talk to you in two weeks. All right. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. You're overdoing it, my dear. The child is dry-eyed. Oh, ungrateful wretch. Do you not weep for your lost love? My lady, I grieve an old man's death as all would do. But how can I weep for a love I have never known?